Sermon number 617, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, September 3rd, 1972. The text is John, the 14th chapter, the 15th through the 20th verses. We welcome to this service many of our friends at the Presbyterian home in Oakmont. Last Sunday afternoon, Mr. Ailey and about ten members of the choir, myself, went to be a part of their regular Sunday afternoon worship service. And as a result, we found that many had and will be listening to this worship service and participating by means of the airwaves, and we wish to speak with them and give them our welcome and love. John, the 14th chapter, we begin to read at the 15th verse. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Spirit of Truth, to stay with you forever. The world cannot receive him because it cannot see him or know him, but you know him, for he remains with you and lives in you. I will not leave you alone. I will come back to you. In a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me, and because I live, you also will live. When that day comes, you will know that I am in my Father and that you are in me just as I am in you. In his autobiography, Dr. Norman McLean, recalling some of the incidents that took place in the early parish schoolhouses, tells of one professor who had a very ingenious plan which accomplished not only the taking of the role in his class but also at the same time taught his students the Apostles' Creed. Here's how he did it. He listed his students alphabetically and then in subsequent order he assigned to each boy one clause of the ancient creed. And every morning, instead of him calling out the names, the boys would stand in order and in sequence give the creed and also respond by reciting their particular phrase of the creed which had been assigned to them. And one day, the professor, as he always did, folded his hands and closed his eyes as he meditated through the roll call and on the Apostles' Creed. And the first boy stood and said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And he sat down. And the second boy stood and said, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And he sat down. And everything went well until the boy stood who said and had the clause, and he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And then that boy sat down, and then there was a long pause. 
And then the pause had become almost an embarrassment. The professor's eyes still closed. One little boy stood up and said, I beg your pardon, sir, but the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit is absent today. <laughs> and the point that Dr. McLean tries to make, and he makes it, is that in the church today, when it comes to a belief in the Holy Spirit, there are many, many people who are absent. And you know, that, that's, that's rather strange and odd, especially when we realize that anyone and everyone who has been baptized in the Christian faith with the Trinitarian baptism, the Holy Spirit is within that person. That's right. The Holy Spirit, if you are baptized in the Christian faith, is in you. Unless I misunderstand the theology of the sacraments, when the minister of the gospel stands, as I did today, and in the presence of a worshiping congregation with the Spirit of God present, and says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart forever. That means exactly what it says, and that you are baptized as with these little children this morning not only by the Trinity, which includes the Holy Spirit, but with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is within the baptized people of the Church. Did not Jesus say, If you love me, you will obey my commandments, and I will pray my Father, and he will send you another. The King James says this, another will be a comforter. The Revised Standard Version says this will be a comforter. The New English Bible calls this word, which in the Greek is parakletos, advocate. And the good news for modern man and Moffat, they, they translate it, I think, in a word that we can better understand, a helper. I will send you a helper to be with you forever, forever. He will be with you and in you, in us. God has set his seal upon us and has given his spirit into our hearts to guarantee it. The Holy Spirit is within you, within every baptized person. We have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, yet there are many, many people who are born, who are baptized, become a part of the Church of Jesus Christ, and who die, and who never realized that they 
are the temple of God, and that in them is the Spirit of God. How can such a thing happen? How can something be in us and we go throughout life not knowing it? Well, it happens, and it happens to some people because they simply do not know that there is any such thing as the Holy Spirit, that there is no such person, and how can you believe in such a person being inside of you if you do not even know that he exists? I can remember several years ago, just a few days before Pentecost, which as you know, in the liturgical church calendar is that Sunday, 50 days after Easter, when we commemorate the revelation of God's Holy Spirit as it came down upon those disciples in an upper room in Jerusalem during the first century, 50 days after the first Easter. And several people at different times and in different places asked me, what the sermon was going to be about the following Sunday, and I responded gleefully, about Pentecost. Is that right? They responded. I wish you could have seen the looks on their faces. They didn't know whether to be glad or sad, to congratulate or express sympathy, to stay home or to bring an extra offering. Oh, is that right? You see, they did not seem to know too much about the person, the work, the activity of God's Holy Spirit. And this is not new. This happens in every generation, in every church. It's the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles that tells about the revelation of God's Holy Spirit. But turn over 17 chapters, and you come to the 19th chapter, and there you will find that Paul visiting the church of Ephesus says unto those people, those believers, Did you believe in the Holy Spirit when you believed? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they looked at him as though he were out of his mind and said, We didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And the reason that there are so many people in the church and outside the church, baptized people, who do not realize that God's Spirit is within them, simply because that they do not know that there is any such person as the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there are those who do not realize this person within them because they claim that they cannot understand him. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is very difficult, ladies and gentlemen. And if you think not, then I don't think you have done a very exhaustive study on this third person of the Trinity. Read the Bible. Yes, you'll get much insight as to the person and the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit, but you'll not have it all. Check the confessions of our church. They help, but they are not inclusive. 
Recall the works of Luther and Calvin and of other modern theologians, recent years, those like Bailey, those like Bruner. Study some of the great Bible scholars like Barclay. You'll find that, yes, they will help you, but no one has been able to completely understand the person called the Holy Spirit. Just as Robert South says of the Trinity, I think we can also say the same of the Holy Spirit. Deny him and you'll lose your soul. Work over much in trying to understand him and you'll lose your wits. And this is the way it is. But I personally feel the reason most people do not really know the power and the joy and the presence of the Holy Spirit which is in them, which was placed in them by baptism, is simply because the pulpit, the classroom and the church has done a very poor job in trying to help people to realize and experience with the Holy Spirit to realize and experience with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you really get to know him. It's it, it just like you can read in a newspaper about some horrible accident that someone has been in. You can stand beside a person who has faced some horrible experience. But ladies and gentlemen, it is not until you yourself go through such an experience that you can even come close of realizing what it is to have such an experience. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. You can hear other people talk about the Holy Spirit. You can read all sorts of books on it, listen to all types of sermons, but unless you realize a happening, an experience, a moment of intimacy with this Holy Spirit that is within you, You're really never going to get to know him. Nor will your life find the power and the purpose that God has placed in you and which can come to fulfillment only as the Holy Spirit in you guides you to that destiny. Well, how do you realize an experience with the Holy Spirit? I think of no better way than the way that the disciples realize the Holy Spirit being in them and on them at Pentecost. And when you search that second chapter of Acts, you will find that these particular people were individuals who worshipped God with the greatest of exaltation. They worshiped God with the greatest of exaltation. In other words, they gave God the first place in their lives. God was their first love. They loved him more than anyone or anything else. They worshiped God with exaltation by knowing that if they loved God, then they must keep his commandments. And they did everything in their power to make sure that they did not 
violate the first commandment which God gave through Moses and which says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. They made sure that neither nation nor personal desire nor any human being, no matter how much they loved him or her, no love for money, no desire for popularity, was greater than the love that they had for God. They took the summary of the law which Jesus gave them, and they knew that they must love God not with just part of their mind and part of their heart and part of their pocketbook, but with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They worshiped God not only by keeping his commandments, they worshiped God by believing in him, in the words which he gave them, especially the words which he gave through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will never leave you and if I go, I will come back. And they believed him. Jesus said, I will send another, a counselor, a comforter, an advocate, a helper, and you shall have power when he comes. And they believed him. Jesus says that Holy Spirit will lead you into not just some of, but all the truth. And they believed him. Jesus says, My Spirit will come upon you and be with you and in you, and they believed him. They believed God, and that is worship in the highest of exaltation. But they did more than that. They waited on God with the greatest of expectation. Read the experience. They waited. They waited one day, two days, three days. They waited ten days from the time that Jesus ascended until the Holy Spirit was realized on Pentecost. Well, I'm sure many of them wanted to quit and go do their own thing, but when you wait upon the Holy Spirit, you don't always get to do your own thing. You wait, and you wait, and you wait for the Holy Spirit that is within you. It's like the wind. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. All you know it blows, and you see the effect of it. You can never be sure when the Holy Spirit which is within you is going to blow. And until then, you wait. And like the disciples of old, you wait in prayer. They waited believing in prayer that if they asked, they would receive. If they would seek, they would find. If they knocked, it would open unto them. In their prayers and in their waiting, they had expectation. They just didn't wait. They just didn't pray. They did so expecting that something was going to happen. And when you believe that the Spirit of God that is within you is going to do something, 
you're waiting on the Holy Spirit. And when you commit your ways unto him and your problems and you present in prayer the things that you are asking for, the guidance which you seek, the answer to the decisions which you must make, and then you wait. And you wait expecting that the answer will come, it comes. Maybe not when you would like, but when the Holy Spirit directs it, it will come. But you've got to believe it will come, and it comes. I wonder how many of you came here this morning believing that something would happen. How many of you are here now expecting the Spirit of God to speak to you by the power of the Holy Spirit within you? That thought, just now, just now, went through your mind. Or the feeling that you have right now in your heart. The answer that has come. They waited with expectation. And then when it hit, and when they knew that the Spirit of God was stirring around them and within them, they went out and witnessed with great exuberance, worshipped with the greatest of exaltation, waited with the greatest expectation, and then went out and witnessed with great exuberance. Do you know what happened when this Holy Spirit began to work out in them and through them? The people who were standing on the outside, you know what they accused those disciples filled with the Spirit? <laughs> they're drunk. And I'm sure some of them would say, they're out of their minds. These people went out into the world and they lived lives that were filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and humility and self-control. Because these are the fruits of the Spirit. And when you allow your life to have an experience and to realize the intimacy of the Holy Spirit that is within you, these fruits are yours, and they can allow you to live a life of exuberance. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what this world needs. Not just people who live lives of excellence, but it's the people who live lives that are exuberant that attracts other people to realize the Holy Spirit that is in them. I begin my 13th year with you today, and I preach on this Holy Spirit because, you see, there is much talk about this third person of the Trinity that is going on in the world today. If you allow me to be a little prophetic, 
I think this third person of the Trinity, God's Holy Spirit, this person, is going to be talked about much and studied much during the decades of the 70s. With the Jesus movement and with all types of charismatic movements going on within and without the Christian Church. You're going to hear much about the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And some that you are going to hear is going to be helpful. And some that you hear is going to be wrong. There are some people who are saying tonight and today that for you to have the Holy Spirit within you, it means more than church membership. It means that you must have a special extra baptism, one that has manifestations of your speaking in tongues and, and doing all sorts of miraculous things. I don't believe that. I believe that baptized within the church, you have the Holy Spirit. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and it's yours. You have it. Of course, if you don't use him, it's just like not having him. But the Holy Spirit is within you. And what the Christian church needs today is not rebuked, not re-educated, but reminded that you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Experience him, ladies and gentlemen, please. As the Bible says, it is not those who have the Spirit that are the sons of God. It is those who are led by the Spirit. They are the sons of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passeth all understanding Keep in your minds and in your hearts the knowledge of the love of God and of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.